Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Father, we thank you this morning for your great grace. We thank you for the way you've kept us, the way you've led us. We thank you, Lord, for all the times when the enemy told us we wouldn't make it this far. All the times, Lord, when our own faith faltered, but you've kept us and you've watched over us. We thank you, Lord, for all the times when the enemy set a trap and you took us past it. We're so grateful for your goodness and for your grace. Now, Lord, as we come to your word, would you speak something to every heart and life, whether they're here online or whether they're even days later, being a part of this service in another way. Father, speak to our heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, team. You're incredible. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 says this, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. And then this part, this next part of this verse, we spoke about last week and I'm going to keep speaking about it for a couple of weeks. It says, Then times of refreshing or refreshment will come from the presence of of the Lord. The word refreshment there or refreshing doesn't mean somebody who's kind of on a holiday or who's really inactive and they're just enjoying leisure time. It literally means recovery of breath. It's somebody who's been running hard and they need a second wind. It's somebody that's been working and now they just need a pause and let their energy come back for what is to come. And it seems to me that most of us, all of us, myself included, we are in need of a recovery of breath. The last two years, I think, have been certainly the most unusual of my life. When I look back to things that I've observed on the global stage, I cannot remember anything quite like what has happened in this last couple of years. But I know that when the prophet Elijah went through a spiritual and emotional and physical time of pressure, he, despite a great anointing and a great call on his life, despite a great gift, see, the gift of God on you does not eradicate or replace your humanity. The anointing of God is on you. It doesn't take the place of you. And so... Every leader and every Christian, as anointed as they are, and certainly there are, you look around the life of this church, I go into Hope uh, most weeks, go down to say hi to the team there, and I see people serving uh, and, and meeting the needs of the poor, and I thank God for those that are anointed to do that, and because they always do it with a smile. One of the signs that God has anointed you is that what you do brings joy to you as well as to others. If you see someone who's always moaning about their place of serving God, I would suggest to you that they are yet to encounter the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He didn't say the path is easy. He didn't say the pathway is always light. But He said His yoke on you is easy. His yoke on you is light. In other words, that God enables us 
to do what He's called us to do without a sense of, I can't, without a sense of it's impossible, without a sense of it's too hard. And yet despite all of that, when Elijah encounters great spiritual pressure after slaying all the prophets of Baal, then he hears these words from uh, the, the woman Jezebel. When Ahab got home, 1 Kings 19 verse 1, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow, she set the time on it, I have not killed you just as you killed them. And the great prophet Elijah, this wonderful man of God who will make an appearance on the Mount of Transfiguration along with Moses talking with Jesus. That's how significant this man's call and his gifting is. But this man, Elijah, was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and watch this, he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, travelling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. I'm sure people all over the globe have been saying that in recent times. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. This great prophet of God does what most of us, I think, tend to do or feel like doing when we come under great pressure, and that is we want to be left alone. We want to run away. We want to hide. We just want everyone that's bringing pressure to be nowhere near us. But it's not enough for Elijah even just to be alone, to leave his servant in a wilderness place. Look at the kind of tree that he sits under. Even the tree's got to be solitary. Says that he went and found, he's looking around the forest. He's looking around all the, the trees everywhere. And he goes, too many trees. And then he sees one broom tree, which is a real tree. It's not a tree with brooms on it. Uh, but he looks for a tree and that's all by itself. Why? Because the spirit that's in you will always look for company. And you're always going to be drawn. If you've got bitterness in your spirit, you will look for other people that are bitter. You'll be drawn to them. If you've been hurt and wounded, you'll tend to want to go that way. And we see that in the life of this man, Elijah. He starts under pressure. He starts disconnecting from everyone around about him. Now, I'm as human as you are. And I know that disconnection under pressure is incredibly attractive. Can we be that honest? Can we just own up to it? That sometimes when you get under pressure, you just want the world to disappear. Leave me alone. And it's so attractive. We think that somehow or other that that aloneness will provide an answer. But the truth is that you and I are not wired for isolation. We are wired divinely by God for community. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. God looked at this man that He'd made in the garden of perfection. Everything is beautiful. Everything is great. 
And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Now, he never said it's not good that man be single. Being single and being alone are different. If you're single here today, understand you can be single, but you don't have to be alone. The Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I'm going to make a helper comparable for him. Now, the longest running study of humanity in the world today is called the Grant Study, G-R-A-N-T, and it kicked off in 1942 with 268 men. Yes, they were all men at that point. 268 men in 1942. And the scientists of the day said, we are going to do a longitudinal study. In other words, it's going to go year by year by year and we are going to study the lives of these people and find out what on earth is it that makes someone successful? What is it that makes life great? What is it that makes someone's life worth living, enjoyable, happy if you want? That grant study is still going. It's the longest running scientific study ever in history. 80 years now, it's been going. Later on, of course, because you imagine they didn't all live to now, but they've added more people in as years have gone by, but they've continued this study. And I know you'll want to know, after 80 years of studying these people of all different backgrounds, shapes, sizes, colours and, and ethnicity, what is the thing that they came to the conclusion of at the end of the whole thing so far? Listen to it. I've actually written it out for you. It's up there on the screen, listen to it. It says, close relationships, more than money or fame, are what keep people happy throughout their lives. Those ties protect people from life's discontents, help to delay mental and physical decline, and are better predictors of long and happy lives than social class, IQ, listen to it, or even your genes. Your close relationships are more likely, they're the biggest factor in how your life ends up. Well, one of the doctors who began all of this, he says this, George Valant was his name. He was a Harvard psychiatrist and he headed this thing for more than 30 years. So here's this incredibly learned man at one of the leading institutions of study in the world. This is what he says. Five word summation of his 30 years of leading the study. Happiness is love. Full stop. He says, if you want to be happy, it's not about getting love. It's being in an environment where love gets exchanged. So science and the Word, we read Genesis 2.18, science and the Word agree that connection is important for your life. But Jesus comes along as He always does. He takes it up another notch. Jesus comes to a people that are already close. The Jews lived lives of society and interconnection. They were entwined with one another. And then Jesus comes along and He says something so profound that we Christians toss it away whenever we meet together for prayer or we use it as a bit of like a hollow, oh, there it is. 
as though it's just a simple line. But Jesus said in Matthew 18 or verse 20, wherever two or three. Why two or three? Because it's the numbers just past one. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. In other words, when you get two, Jesus says, no, I'm about to make it three. When you get three, he says, I'm about to make it four. No matter what your number is, if it's more than one, Jesus says, I'm going to be there in the midst. And so when we talk about refreshed and ready, when we talk about refreshed and ready, when we start talking about church, when we start talking about what it means to be connected, you've got to understand that we are not speaking about the Harvard study. We're not talking about some sociological phenomenon. We are talking about the Lord Jesus and the fact that He gathers people together in His mighty name. Now, I read these amazing verses last Sunday about the glorious church and you all clapped and cheered and, and puffed your chest out going, isn't that awesome? Let me read them to you again. Ephesians 5 verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present her to Himself. A glorious church. Oh, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. And you read that and as I say, your chest puffs out. You go, thank God for the church. Jesus, yes, you're the head of the church. It's beautiful. Here comes the bride. It's going to be lovely. We think about the church so beautiful and peaceful and harmonious and powerful and godly and loving. And then you stop and realize that most of the New Testament is written to churches that weren't like that at all. Most of the New Testament is written to churches where there were difficulties and struggles and divisions and strife and carnality and immaturity. And somewhere along the way, we need to embrace the church that Jesus is building at the same time being honest enough to say, but we're not there yet. And I'm not going to disconnect from what's going to be because of what is. Are you with me? I'm not going to bail out because we're not there yet. That'd be like me driving to Geraldton and stopping at Greenwich and going, well, I'm tired of we're not there yet. So I'm just going to stop. I'll never get to Geraldton that way. And I know we're not there yet. And, you know, if ever you find the perfect church, don't join it. Because the moment you join it, it stops being perfect. Amen. And, and you're clapping yourself right there. Amen. But ain't that the truth? Because, you know, like I know, I'm always amazed. I've got friends of mine that are pastors and they're always telling me how this, the church is this, and the church is this. And I'm going, what's your plan B? Are you not aware that the Holy Spirit, oh, I thank God that it's not up to a pastor or a leader. I thank God Jesus said this to His disciples, and He will come to you. He's with you and He shall be in you. 
Why? Because unless the Holy Spirit comes into us, then all I am is simply another person being educated. I'm another person learning the Bible. I'm another person studying theology. I'm another person learning about leadership or about church life. But if on the other hand, the Holy Spirit is in me, then I know that regardless of my title, my role, my position or lack thereof, I know that the Holy Spirit is working on you. I don't have enough ability, strength, intellect or power to be able to transform anybody, let alone myself. But I tell you what, I thank God the Holy Spirit has always been the one that we rely on. He's always the one that we go, Holy Spirit, you are the great administrator of the church. Jesus, you're the head of the church. I might be a shepherd, but I'm only an under shepherd. He's the great shepherd of the sheep, amen. And so we have confidence in God that He is doing something and that He's at work. And I believe He always is. God does not look at the newspaper to to decide whether or not to move. God doesn't say, well, I'm going to wait for a more propitious time. Wait till all the stars align. He made the stars. He can line them up however He likes. He's not bothered about what's going on around the world, social media, in people's society. He says, I've got a time and I'm going to move. And let me show you one of the things that I personally believe God is doing right now and it's going to scale up. Are you with me? Because the last couple of years, I've seen a lot of change and a lot of shifts. But I know this, the church is not where the perfect and completed gather. It's where the imperfect but open come. It's not where the perfect, the completed, we've got it. If you are here today with us in this service and you've been a bit reluctant about coming to church in case your flaws somehow or other mark you out of place, well, have a look around and go, no, I fit. Because there's nobody here that's perfect and complete. We're imperfect, but we're open. And we come to Jesus for His never-ending process of change in our life. Let me take you to where I think what God is doing right now. Matthew's Gospel, chapter, sorry, John's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 12. It says, But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf, now watch this. I never saw that this before. But it says, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. He doesn't eat them. He doesn't consume them. I'm sure that's his ultimate goal. I don't know why, but I know that Jesus said this. He said the purpose of the wolf, who of course is the devil. The purpose that the wolf has is to scatter sheep. He's trying to create separation because he can read Genesis 2.18 like you can. He knows that Grant study that basically love means happiness. Full stop. And so the enemy wants to create separation. And it was definitely something that Jesus was aware of because when he tells the parable in Luke 15 verse 4 of the sheep, that gets lost. Let me read it to you. Luke 15 verse 4. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses just one of them? Now Jesus is telling this about himself. He's telling this about the kingdom of God. When he talks about the lost coin, the lost coin of the 10 coins was a dowry that the woman held. She couldn't get married without all of them in place. 
He's talking about him coming back for a bride who'll be complete. When he tells the story of the lost sheep, he's speaking as himself as the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When he tells the story of the prodigal son and the father waiting for the wayward to return, he's telling the story about the kingdom of God. This one is about that. What man of you having a hundred sheep if he loses just one? He doesn't go, oh heck, I got 99. That's okay. You know, I lose the 1%, so what? No, it says he leaves the 99 in the wilderness and goes to the wilderness rather. And he goes after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulder and he comes back rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbours, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. And then he says this, I say to you that likewise there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. The key to this story is in verse 5. Because in every one of these parables here, every parable, Jesus does the opposite of what humans do. The, the father of the prodigal gives him a kiss on his pig uh, dirted cheeks and says, bring out the robe and the ring and put shoes on his feet and kill the fatted calf. Humans don't do that. Normal people carry grudges. And it's the same with this one when he, he finds the sheep he doesn't drag it home saying, suffer. Yeah, I know you're hot and bothered. I know how difficult it's been, but it's your fault. When he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders and he goes home with joy. And so the key to this story is not what it says, it's what it doesn't say. When he finds the lost sheep, number one, there's no judgment. Why? How come? Do you know, I've spoken to people who say to me, I'd love to come back to church, but I don't want to get 50 questions. I usually say to them something like, well, you're not probably quite that well known anyway. It'll be all right. That's my counselling gift coming out, my <laughs> compassionate side. But I say, so what? You know, I've said to, I've actually given words, but just tell people that, you know, you, I wouldn't have time to lie, but just move on. Because when this shepherd finds the lost sheep, he doesn't go, well, why did you go? How come? How could you? Secondly, there's no separation. He doesn't take it home and put it in a separate pen. He doesn't say to it, now, come on, you walked away. We don't trust you anymore. There's no separation. Isolation in, in prison is a punishment. And the third thing that there isn't there is there's no probation. He doesn't say, welcome back. Great to have you home, but we're going to be watching you. And I'm telling you, you step one foot over the boundary line and we break your leg. There's none of that. You know, I felt the Lord speak to my heart about a month ago now. I was reading the notes of it yesterday. I felt Him say to me out of Isaiah chapter 11, you might want to go home and read it, verse 10 through to 12. It says, and in that day, I will raise up a, uh, a root out of Jesse as an ensign to the Gentiles. 
And then I'm going to bring, verse 11 says, I'm going to bring back all the remnant that have been scattered. Now it lists out eight places where they've all been scattered to. And all those that I haven't got time this morning, but they all represent some place that people stumble into when they separate, when they disconnect. But God says this, I'm going to bring them back. I believe with all my heart. I've been saying this and it's certainly happening. You know, if at the end of this pandemic, there's just a sociological phenomenon of people reconnecting with their habits, well, that'd be understandable. I'd get that. But what if it's the good shepherd? What if it's not that? What if the good shepherd right now is going through all of Perth and around the world and going to all the people that have lost their way like the sheep? And he's going hunting for the one. What if it's not just human response to the end of a season? What if it's a move of the Holy Spirit? What if God right now is going across all of Perth and putting into the hearts of people, you need to come back to me? Because see, it's not coming back to a building. Maybe you know someone who's been scattered. Then I'm asking you today to be the good shepherd to them. I'm asking you to just say, I'm going to, without judgment, without separation, without probation, I'm just going to say, welcome home. Beginning in June, by the way, uh, we're going to have a Sunday every month for a few months, won't go on forever, where we're going to call it Welcome Sunday, Welcome Back. Because I think there's thousands of people like that across Perth and, and you know, hear it right from me. It's not about judgment. It's not about pressure. It's not going to be 50 questions of where were you and what happened. It's just simply saying, hey, we're just so glad you got found again. And so the good shepherd will put them on his shoulders and bring them back rejoicing. Amen. But I know that whenever I read these things about Jesus, I know there's always a hook in it. Because he doesn't tell the story so we can all sit back and go, well, isn't God great? Isn't Jesus nice? Look at Jesus out there. Oh, good on you, Jesus. We're cheering for you. On you go, Jesus. Get it done. You know, like I know, don't you? That whenever Jesus talks about what he's doing, what he really means is, this is what you're going to do. Hey, man. I said to one of the staff once, I said, you know, when I, when I pick up a piece of paper that's on the floor, that's not for you to applaud. It's for you to emulate. Huh? I don't need your applause. Oh, look at our pastor. Isn't he got serving spirit? Oh, thank God. What a wonder. I ain't doing it for that reason. I'm doing it so you can see an example that you can copy. Amen? Because you walked past it. You just left it there. You never thought any more about it. That's the usher's job. Not in this church. So we're going to have some Welcome Sundays and we've got a whole lot of stuff we're going to do and we'll tell you more about that later. But I'm telling you this not because we're organising a program, but because I believe that we are created for connection and I believe that church connection is special and different to every other kind. What a pity the Grant study never started studying the connection of church life for 80 years. Start praying now for God to use you because you might just be somebody else's good shepherd. Amen. There might be somebody that 
is just waiting and, you know, they're praying that God will send someone and you're right there praying that God will send someone else. Aren't you glad that I have such a sensitive side? Amen. You know, just so gently. Don't do that. That's bad right now. Come on, let's pray. Can we pray right now for people you know? Because I believe that the heart of God is saying, come on, I'm going to gather again the scattered remnant. I'm going to reach them. It's not us. It's not a Metro Church initiative. All we are is just maybe just smart enough to see the fingerprints of God on something and go, I think I want to do that. Father, help us, we pray. Lord, we're not about trying to pressure people, but we are about wanting to emulate you. And if you're reaching people that for whatever reason have gotten themselves lost in a wilderness, we're saying to you, Lord, here we are, would you like to use us? You know, folks, you don't have to be cleverer than, you don't need 55 Bible verses, you don't need to be able to quote you know, Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is and so much the more as you see the day approaching. He's not looking for that. He's just looking for somebody who's looking for what's lost and is ready to rejoice. Amen. Father, we thank You for that. I pray, God, for all those that are a part of this service. There'll be some that feel like they're in the lost category, not the finding category. They're in the lost space. And they realise that something, whatever it is, and God, they go back and analyse and how do I end up thinking like that? But Lord, you're not looking for an analysis. You're looking for someone who's willing to be taken to where you want them to go. So I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Pray God for each one. Let them give you their yes today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. In a minute, we'll sing together again that song. I think that's the one you're playing, isn't it? Worthy is the land that I sang so badly earlier and which just proved how much we need all of you. Thank you, Jesus. I do know this, that the overwhelming heart of God is one of love for people. It's true. But He just doesn't wait for Easter, for Good Friday or Easter Sunday or any other day in the liturgical calendar. He's not waiting for that. He's at it every day. He's at it every night. I'll never forget back in our old building. I did not even know that this was the case, but there, a lady came to me at the end of a service and she said, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. She said, can I talk to you outside? I thought that was a bit strange, but I said, sure. So I walked outside. There was people still around. She said, I work in a, in a, a brothel down the road. She said, every Sunday we hear you singing. Not me, you. Every Sunday, she said, I hear it. And she said, every single Sunday I, I stop and I know I need God. You do not know how far what you do goes. You haven't got a clue. Maybe it's something, I had no, I don't even know those, there was a place there. And yet God was taking something of which I was unaware and making it powerful. Amen. We can trust God with that, can't we? 
You know, if you're here with us this morning in the building or online and you go, Jeff, I, I'm not walking with Jesus. I wish I was. Why don't you decide today, today's the day I'm going to say yes to Jesus, whether it's the first time or whether you're saying it again. Almost every week people say yes to Jesus and it's never just a number to me. Every single time it's God, this is somebody that you're gone looking for. So if you want to give Jesus your yes, either in the building or online, if you're in Australia, it's easy. You just text yes, why yes, to 0488826392. The number's up on the screen. We'll help you. The people that do that are sitting right down there. Sebastian and Rashida, the very next day, will start sending you a Bible verse, different one every day. I'll send you a prayer, different one every day, and start helping you. You can ask them questions, text them back. They'll answer them. Or you can do it via email. Just go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Of course, if you're with us on metrochurch.online, the Yes tab's already there and you can respond that way. Father, help them, we pray. And help us, Lord. We just want to do what you want to do. It's not hard. You're not asking us to do something extraordinary. You're asking us to do something so simple. We thank you for trusting us with what you're doing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on. Let's stand together and sing together again this song because He alone is worthy. That's for sure. Come on. so great to be with you this morning. I'm going to ask the team if you can go whenever you're ready to go. Service is ended. And uh, the team just going to sing us out though, just singing that song. And uh, cafe's open. Love you to hang out there for a while if you can. Don't forget tonight at five. Listen, if you think lots of you here know Dr. Michael Battersby, well, let me tell you, you really don't know. There was a whole lot of stuff I had no idea about. I thought it was amazing. Uh, input for people that, particularly if you're young, you should listen to them. Be great. Hey, God bless you. Hope I see you good Friday night, seven on the dot. We're going to kick it off. It's going to be amazing. God bless. We'll see you somewhere soon.